So welcome to the Expert Edge podcast. Today's conversation is all about money. The money, 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 the mullah. We're going to talk about your relationship with money and the journey I've been on to grow, develop, and evolve in my experience and relationship with money. I'm going to share with you some pretty funny stories of me growing up. In fact, some of these stories I have literally never shared in public. And at most, hopefully, you're going to get a good laugh. And so my goal for this conversation is to help you to grow, to develop, to access your next level of potential, specifically around this area of money. So let's get into it. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. Money, money, money. Welcome to the Expert Edge podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about money. And this is an exciting topic because money is such a fascinating topic. Uh, depending on how you were brought up, you would have been modeled or mentored in a certain way to relate, to experience, to create money in your life. And I think that this is an ongoing process uh, for me. I trust it is for you. And so I just, my goal is to add just another layer, another distinction on top of what you already know and maybe take your thinking your experience, your relationship with money to a new level. And so this is my big idea. The big idea for the podcast today is essentially that money is found in your mind. And this is such an ethereal, conceptual idea at the moment, but it's going to be really practical. And what I've discovered is as I've gone on this journey is that money actually isn't even real. That money is simply a shadow of the value you're creating. And so this conversation here today, uh, it might bring up a few things in a really positive light for you. And so one of my goals for our conversation today is to expose or reveal to yourself some of the beliefs that you already have about money and how they're impacting your ability to create it and to have it in your life. Now, this is the thing is, you know, I'm recording this in the middle of the COVID the COVID experience and money for you may be, uh, you might be experiencing money differently because of the external environment. I know a lot of people are experiencing money, especially from a scarcity perspective, uh, very differently. I know some people who are experiencing it from an abundance perspective right now and actually making more money than they've ever made before in their life. And so whatever your experience of it is totally fine. Like there's no judgment. It's more like let's be really curious about what your experience of money is and especially at the moment because in a challenging situation, challenges essentially just heighten, uh, they expedite the experience that you're having of that particular thing. And so when it comes to relationships, they expedite, they exacerbate the experience or the relationship you have with it. When it comes to money, it's going to do exactly the same thing. And so I know for me growing up, 
I was reflecting on as I was creating this this podcast. And by the way, you know, I I hope that you're experiencing the value of these conversations we're having on the podcast. Uh, because I do put a lot of time, a lot of effort into into just thinking about and mapping it out. Uh, so that, you know, this is not a waste of time for you. Like this is something that really grows you, that develops you, that leads you on your journey of evolution and contribution to the planet. And so I was thinking about what my experience was of money and, and one thing came up and it was this, is that that we never had enough even though we did. So what I mean by that is growing up, you know, I mean right now like my parents, are, first of all, they're amazing. Uh, I I definitely don't have <laughs> I don't have that story of you know I, I I was brought up and things were just tough and everything was difficult for me like uh, I was watching a comedian the other night and he was kind of <laughs> he was like so I had like the best childhood ever and that's really tough to make a joke of <laughs> but but honestly like when he said that I actually burst out laughing I mean he he said it in a funny way. But I was like, that's, you know, like that's kind of a prerequisite for all comedians is that they talk about all the difficulties in their life. And he's like, uh, I kind of don't have that. And and that, that was actually my experience from the sense of, you know, like my dad and my mom were honestly amazing people. And my dad just loved me so much, even though he didn't grow up knowing his dad at all. Um, and my mom loved me so much. And even though she may not have grown up in that sort of environment as well either, um, you know, like they all had their own experiences. And so the the love, the affection that I received as a kid was actually exceptional. And like, for me, it's like a goal to contribute that much as my parents did. But I definitely say that growing up, money was a fascinating topic from the sense of we always had enough but it never felt like we had enough. In in other words, there was like this this feeling, this like visceral experience of, uh, and and you know, it's such a reflection of you know the times and how you're growing up as well. Was but very much you know you leave a light a light on and it was like don't waste money, like don't waste you're wasting money having the light on or you're wasting money, you know, not using every like the last little drop of you know ketchup. Um, you know, like you're wasting money if you're like throwing food out. <laughs> I know I look at how much food we throw out. My gosh, I think that if you were like an anti-food waster, you'd like put me in jail. And I say that because my kids are just like so difficult to get to eat. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation, right? But But when I think about it, like I grew up and we always had enough. Like we lived in this like great house. You know, I would say like we're like middle to upper class, like it was like my my dad had a great job. My mom always worked. Like she was an artist. My dad was like a sales director. Uh, like we had this like amazing upbringing. But it, there, was, it was, there was definitely this feeling of like, oh, I'm not sure if there's going to be enough or this this like fear of of running out of money. And it's been fascinating just like going through this process and revealing like what's you know what's coming up for me what's what's like you know happening for me in my mind for money and what's my relationship with money and that idea of like i wonder for you what what would be the core idea of the relationship you had with money when you were growing up because how you related 
with money growing up or what you were taught growing up is probably, I would say, like 101% probably impacting how you're relating with money right now, especially if you haven't more, if you haven't worked through it and or at least exposed it and just got clear on it. And this is the thing is like, you know, for me, there's like no judgment at all on you, on what I got brought up with, what happening in my life. It's more like, let's look at it from like this. This is really fascinating. This is really interesting to understand what were the beliefs or the ideas that you were modeled, that you were shared with? And this is the thing is your parents were modeled those by their parents. And so your parents' beliefs of money are actually probably a reflection of their parents' beliefs of money. And so I even think about that and I go like down that rabbit hole of like, you know, I can see how what how they were brought up, how that impacted their relationship with money, how that impacted my relationship with money. And then it comes down to you right now, the listener, and you're like, hey, how is this going to impact me moving forward? And so uh, it was this really interesting relationship. I know for me, like my dad would always try to discipline me from the sense of, you know, he would like teach me, hey, you've got to like put in a good day's work. You've got to, you know, you've got to add value. You've got to like contribute and you've got to like do some things for money. Like my dad was always like, go out and do the paper run, you know, go out and do some activities, go out and work. And my mom was like the opposite from the sense of she would always be like, Colin, it's okay. You know, you need $5, here's $5. Or you, you need $10, here's $10. And, uh, and she would kind of like <laughs> almost in a sense save me from actually doing the work. I remember, oh my gosh, I share this and you're going to like, you're going to think, Colin, seriously, what sort of upbringing did you have? I remember I was doing the paper run one time and I just like got sick of doing the paper run, but, but, I, but I wasn't sick of getting the money. So I, I remember I earned $30 from doing the paper run. And what my mum used to do was she would drop the papers off on the corners of the streets and I would go around and deliver them, right? But it got to the point where I was just like, I just got fed up of doing the paper run. But my mum was like, hey, we can't not do the paper run. And I was like, well, I'm not doing the paper run, right? <laughs> and what happened was she started doing the paper run for me. Like at first started off like half the paper run, she would do it with me. And then she ended up doing the paper run for me and then giving me the money, right? And I'm like a 14-year-old kid. And this is, this is like the experience I'm having of what it takes to make money. I was like, well, someone else just makes money for you. And then like I think about it as an entrepreneur and it kind of like in a weird way can actually make sense from the sense of like, you know, you can make money from from hiring people, from working with people, all that sort of stuff. Like, but but in a sense with my mom, I was kind of like like using her to make money, and that's not the ethics I want to bring, right? But it was but like oh my gosh, as I say in the story, it's like fascinating. But I think about it, you know, what it taught me, that's what I'm really curious was what it taught me was that I didn't have to do any work to make money. And then now, oh my gosh, okay. So this is a story that I have not shared all that often. So <laughs> when I was about 17 years old, I was sitting in a, in like, a, it's like a Starbucks, right? And I had this guy come up to me and he said, and he was like, hey, how you going? He, go, he just said hello. I was sitting there with a bunch of my friends. We're all surfers uh, with our long kind of blondish, brownish hair. We just got out of the surf, right? And this guy comes up to me and he's like, 
he's like, hey, what's your name? And he was actually this Canadian guy, right? And he's like, I'm a boot. I'm, a, I'm around here, <laughs> right? I'm going to do the Canadian accent. And he goes, oh. And, and then he's like, oh, how old are you? And I was like 17 at the time. And, and he just got chatting with me. And he goes, hey, he's like, do, hey, do you have abs? <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What do you mean do I have abs? And he's like, like abs, like, do you have abs? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm not really sure. Like, this is kind of like a really odd question. And I'm really uncomfortable now, especially with my mates around here. And he's like, hey, have you ever thought about doing modeling? And I was like, uh, no, I've never thought about doing modeling. And so I'm just freaked out by this conversation, right? And he goes, and he gives me his card. And he says, well, just give me a call. Give me a call. And I was like, okay. And I went home. All my friends were paying me out. And then I go out and uh, <laughs> and I call this guy and he calls me in. We do like this like photo shoot and this dude ends up being legit, right? So it goes from this really awkward, weird experience to this guy's like a proper scout for like really big modeling agencies. And so all of a sudden I go in, I get like my modeling portfolio, I can't remember what it's called, but... Like I'm a 17-year-old kid, right? I'm still in school. And by the time, uh, by the way, at the time I'm working at like my local Ralph's, my Vons in Australia was called Franklin's, but it's like, you know, like a local Vons or Ralph's. I'm getting paid like, you know, you know, $7 an hour or something, or $12 an hour, whatever it was. Um, and, you know, that's all I knew. That was kind of my experience, right? Of earning money. And then I go in, I get my modeling portfolio and the guy goes, Hey, what I want you to do is go down the road, go up these stairs and go and see these guys, right? <laughs> and it's, it's called a casting. And I was like, okay, casting. All right, I'll go and check that out. So I go, I walk down, I walk up and there was like 20 other guys and I just stand in the line. I go in and it's these 12 uh, Chinese guys sitting there, all speaking Chinese. I don't know what's happening, right? And they're talking to me. They're looking at me. They tell me to take my shirt off. <laughs> I take my shirt off. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can't even just believe I just did that. But, you know, they're all chatting like that, right? That's literally what it sounds like to me, right? It's like total, you know, just like, I've got no idea what's going on, right? I'm 17 years old. And they're talking really loud. And then they make a call to my agent. And then, I, and then they're like, okay, thank you, thank you. And then I leave, right? There's lots of accents going on here. <laughs> and then I, I go home. And then my agent calls me up straight away and he goes, hey, Colin, you've, you know, you've got the job. And what it ended up being was if you know Fila, do you know Fila, like the, you know, the athletics brand Fila, F-I-L-A, uh, ended up being their, one of their catalogs for their, their new winter, winter you know, uh, parkers and, and pants and stuff like that, like all their ski outfits and stuff. So I end up going down to the snow with about four other models in this like weird Barbie van, <laughs> like literally on them in this like Barbie van. We go down, we shoot for about four days. No, I think it was, sorry, three days we shoot for. I come home. So literally I've done like, I feel like I've done nothing, right? I've gone down, hung out with some, like some really good looking people and just ate really good food and stood in front of a camera and just snowboarded for a little bit. Like that was literally all I did. I come home and they give me like this envelope of $5,000 cash. Literally, they're like, okay, thank you very much. Here, $5,000 cash. And I got to take about like 20 different jackets and parkers of like all the feeler range. And I'm literally looking at this wad of cash. First of all, I felt like a drug dealer, right? 
And I'm like, looking, literally looking at this wad of cash. And I'm like, what on earth just happened? Like, I just got paid $5,000 for doing nothing, right? And so, first of all, this is like blowing my mind because I'm used to earning like $9 an hour, right? Working at, at, at like, you know, Vons, packing shelves and wearing like a weird checkered outfit with a hat. And then now I'm hanging out with these like people doing nothing, snowboarding, eating food, and I get paid $5,000 for, for three days, right? And so for me, I was like, it just started to make me go, like, what, what is money? Like, this is so weird. The fact that I can earn so much money doing like almost nothing and then be working really hard at my local supermarket and be almost earning like, you know, what felt like very little at the time, right? And so that comes down to my question of, first of all, I hope, hopefully you enjoy that story. Uh, but second of all, the, you know, this idea of money and your experience of money and how money is created, I really just want to challenge because I know for me, the first evolution of money was that money was like this weird concept. I have no idea of how to create. And what actually ended up happening was when I first got married, it was over 14 years ago, I actually ended up finding myself after, you know, all, all of this like money earned and stuff like that. I ended up finding myself in $20,000 debt. Uh, it was our first year of marriage. And uh, I was like freaking out, right? Because I've got all these old beliefs of, I don't know how to manage money. Money, like money is always going to run out. And in my mind, it was like starting to happen, right? And then my amazing wife, Sarah, she didn't have this experience growing up. Her experience was very much money's just numbers. It's just this thing that you just work out and you just manage. So what happens is she gets out a spreadsheet she writes down all our debt and then we go hard at it. And we had $20,000 in debt. We ended up paying it off. And now, by the way, we were both earning at the time then because I actually went and I started working kind of like part-time slash full-time at like a, a teaching college at the time when I was newly married. And I was like, you could say I was a teacher um, at a like a TAFE college. And I was only earning like about 30, I was, you know, earning about $30,000 a year. Sarah was earning about $25,000, $22,000 a year. She was actually working at a church. She was a, a minister. And um, so, so like combined, we we're earning about $50,000. And we ended up paying off, I don't know how, I feel like that feels like a miracle. We paid like $20,000 off our debt in about a year and a half, right? And so we're completely out of debt. And then that was like my first iteration of like properly understanding that, Okay, so money can be managed. Like if you put a focus on it, if you put intention on it, that it can be managed. It's not this, this weird ethereal thing of what I, when I grew up of like it's either scary or it just comes in and I don't know how. And then I was like, so that was the first time, the first experience I had of money being managed that, that, that when, you, when you, you can literally put it on a spreadsheet. You can work out how much do I owe, how much have I got, and what do I want to pay off? And when you're diligent with it, when you keep your finger on the pulse of it, you can actually manage it, right? So that was like the first time that I realized that money can be managed and you can experience that. So that was the first evolution, okay? The second evolution came when I started my coaching business. Now, at the time I mentioned I was, I was in teaching and I think from there I went from teaching and I went into learning and development. I was a learning development consultant 
working full time for an organization. And that was, that was okay. I just, you know, like I felt like my career was progressing and moving up. Now, what happened was I started my coaching business and I'm doing my coaching business and my coach, uh, like my master coach says to me, Colin, you need to charge about $125 an hour. And I remember at the time thinking, $125 an hour? What? Like, is that even like real? Now, for me, now, I, if I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't coach someone for $125 an hour. Like, but at the time, and I don't say that, <laughs> that sounds so arrogant now. Um, but, but what I mean by that is like, I understand the value of what I can bring to a conversation. But at the time, $125 an hour was the biggest stretch ever. I was thinking, my gosh, is anyone ever going to pay $125 an hour to have a conversation? So first of all, I'm like, wait a minute. Someone's going to pay me $125 an hour to have a conversation. Like what on earth is that, first of all? And this was, first of all, my experience of that money. And this is like the second evolution. The second evolution of money for me after realizing that money can be managed. The second evolution is that money actually comes from the amount of value you bring to the hour as opposed to how many hours you spend. And so when I had this revelation of that money is actually a reflection of value, that was powerful. And I realized that if you can focus on on like developing skills, developing or solving problems, if you know, many of you are entrepreneurs, you're experts, you're coaches, you focus at solving a bigger problem for someone and you can charge a lot more. So for example, I know for me, when, you know, we used to have an old program that really just taught presentation skills. Now, I think I used to charge, you know, it was about $500 for that program, 497. Now that was, you know, for me, I was like, you know, $500 for solving the problem of presentation skills. And I was like, that's cool. Like, and that, that sold pretty well. It was, you know, it was a good program. It went well, right? And then when I created Self from Stage Academy, I realized the problem I'm solving is not just presenting. It's actually presenting in a way that gets clients. And so all of a sudden, the value of the problem I'm solving is not just communication skills. It's communication skills that builds a business. Does that make sense? And so when I realized that I could go up the value chain in terms of the problems that I solve, all of a sudden I realized that that, that that problem is worth a lot more than the problem I was solving before. Now, I, honestly, I have clients say to me all the time, like students of Self and Stage, they're like, Colin, you seriously need to charge more money for this program, right? But for me, first of all, I always want to be solving a much bigger problem than what anyone ever pays for the program at all, right? So that's my first always intention and integrity. But second of all, uh, what they're actually saying is that the value that this program solves far exceeds the exchange of money that I gave to you for that. Does that make sense? And so I want you to think about for you, the fact that stop thinking that money is like this, this like real visceral thing because it's tough because money's like you see it and it's real. It's like paper. It feels real. But money isn't real. Money is actually a shadow 
of value. Now, if you haven't read um, Happy Pocket Full of Money, it is such a great book. Do yourself a favor, have a read of that because it's such a great book. Happy Pocket Full of Money. Uh, the author talks about this idea of like how money is is simply a shadow. It's a shadow of a different economy. And the economy essentially is bringing value and showing the marketplace that you can solve their problems and bring value to the challenges that they have, okay? And so uh, that's the second iteration is that money comes from the value you bring to the problem that your audience has, okay? And so I went from going, uh, you know, typically typically now for me to have a conversation for, a, uh, for an hour, I'll sell for about $1,000 US, and so, and for you, you might say, wow, that seems like a lot or it might seem like not much at all. But people literally buy an hour of my time for $1,000 like almost every week, every other week. And so this is the thing is that I know that if I sit down with you for an hour, I can add minimum ten dollars to $20,000 of value. In fact, I, I believe I could add $100,000 of value, right? Now, when I say it's $1,000, I actually sell it for more as well, but I, I give that as a special to my students if they want like some extra help, right? And so this is the thing, is that the amount of money you charge needs to be a reflection of the value you bring and it always needs to be less. I think it needs to be less. Now, because this is the thing, is that um, one of the beliefs that I have as well, and, and when I used to work uh, or speaking corporations because you guys know many of you know I was, you know I was a keynote speaker. I spoke around the world, large companies like Coca Cola, Fuji, Xerox, you know like um, uh, Glory Jeans, um, like you know Allianz, like big SunCorp insurances, like big corporations. Some of you know American listeners may not know them, but they're all big in the in uh, Asia Pacific area. But essentially, what that was about for me when I'd speak with employees, it was like, hey, if you're getting paid more than you're worth, you're in trouble. Like you always should be paid less than you're worth. The reason why that's true is because then there's a gap of value exchange. As soon as you start getting paid, and I know this from experience from running a company, as soon as I have an employee who is paid more than the value they're bringing, They've got a short lifespan with the company. Does that make sense? And so if you are working for someone and you're not getting paid what the value you're bringing, you're in a really strong position of employment right now. And so the really the way you increase your wage is by adding more value. It's not about working more hours. It's about being more valuable and coming up with more innovative ideas to contribute. It's the same with your clients, right? You come up with a more innovative idea to contribute and to add value to the problems that you're solving with your clients and they are going to pay you more money. And so the second evolution that you have is this idea of that money comes from value, not from just activity. And so, because think about this, like someone can get paid, you know, I know in the US, I think if you work in like a, you know, a, uh, and don't quote me on this, but it's like, you know, it's like seven or eight dollars an hour if you work in a restaurant. Like, you know, in some states it's that low. And the fact that you can get paid hundred hundred dollars an hour, a thousand dollars an hour, two thousand dollars an hour. I know people who charge five thousand dollars for an hour consult. Five thousand dollars for an hour consult. 
And this is the thing is like you can get paid that because it's got nothing to do with time. It's got everything to do with value that you bring to the marketplace. Does that make sense? I love what Jim Rowan says. He says, your income seldom surpasses your level of personal development. And so if you aren't developing yourself, then your income is not going to grow. And that's why, I mean, that's why I do high-level mastermind programs. That's why I buy online courses. Literally just this week, my wife came up to me. She's like, babe, I've got this online course I want to do about Pinterest or something. And she's like, can we do it? I'm like, 100%. Because I know that it's going to bring more value to her than the cost that we actually pay, right? And so, because money is a reflection of the value you bring to the market. So, how do you make more money? you become more valuable at solving problems for your market. Does that make sense? And so that's the second evolution of your experience of money. And the third evolution is this, is that money can flow with leverage. Now, what I mean by that is, I know for me, I used to do a lot of one-on-one consulting, a lot of one-on-one coaching, right? And so uh, I would earn a certain amount doing the coaching. Now, it was great. Now, by the way, like I actually love one-on-one coaching. I know that there's like sometimes a lot of experts and you know market leaders put a lot of shame on one-on-one coaching. But to be honest, like I love it. I know I don't love doing it all the time. But you know when I'm doing coaching with if people buy some consulting hours with me or if I do some work with my – we have a high-level group called the Experts in a Circle – and I just, you know, for me, I'm just dedicated to make sure that they get results. And so, you know, I just do whatever it takes. So in terms of like one-on-one consulting work, like I actually love it. I really, really love it. But this is the thing is there is a limit. There's a cap to that. And I'll never forget the time I was speaking at a conference. Uh, they paid me my keynote fee, right? And I was coming into the speech, the presentation. I think I was talking about productivity. This is when I used to teach productivity a lot more. Uh, and what happened was I said to the event organizer, Hey, I've got this online course. I'd love to share it with your audience. Cause I think it would really help them. How about I make an offer at the end of the presentation? Like not a, you know, not a hard offer, just like a soft offer for them. If they resonated with me and they want to take the next step forward. And by the way, this is the first time I'd ever shared an offer at a bigger conference, right? I think there was like 3000 people or something in the audience. And he loved the idea. So I did my presentation. It was 30 minutes. Got paid my keynote fee. Now, at the time, I think I was, I was charging like $5,000 for my keynote fee, right? So I got paid $5,000 for the keynote fee. And I was like happy with that for the 30-minute presentation. I did the presentation and at the end, I made the offer. Now, what happened was in the next 24, 48 hours, we ended up doing over $100,000 in digital sales. And I remember going, looking at my account and going, what on earth just happened, right? I was like, I just got paid like more than 20 times the amount for doing nothing. (laughs) Like it was this like weird oxymoron. I'm coming back to like back in the day doing my paper run (laughs) in a sense. I'm like, I'm like, did I just, I, I just, so I'm like, okay. Like my brain was just like in overload in this moment. I'm like, so I just made more money in the offer that I made than I did from actually doing the presentation itself. Because in my mind, I was always like, 
fee for speaking, fee for speaking, right? And that, and for me, my journey, like I, you know, gradually up leveled it, up leveled it, up leveled it, and typically I was getting about ten thousand dollars a speech um, before we went to before we moved to the US, like we, with my speaking career, right? And so it was around ten thousand dollars US, and that's typically what I'll charge ten to twelve to sometimes fifteen thousand dollars a keynote. But for me, the money's not made in a keynote. For me, the money's made in the back of the room. The money's made in the offer. The money's made in the flow-on offers that occur, right? And that was, and this was for me like one of my real revelations of why I've got a, got obsessed around this idea of selling from stage. And I use the word sell from stage, but it's it's really crafting your presentation in a way where if you do make a next steps offer, it it just blows the audience's mind and they actually thank you for making the offer instead of going, oh, that was like a really awkward presentation, right? So the goal is always that and that's my whole philosophy with Self and Stage Academy. And so what happened was is my whole experience of money just blew my mind. And then what happened, I started obsessing about how do I do this on webinars? And I remember doing webinars and and doing like a, a $5,000 webinar. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just got paid my keynote fee. I stayed at home. I did, ran a webinar and I just got paid my whole keynote fee. Then I, got, then I started doing $10,000 webinar, $20,000, $30,000. And I know for me, like to do, you know, a fifty dollars to $60,000 webinar for me doesn't feel like a stretch now. And I say that simply because there's like, there's like progress that you make in your presentations, progress that you make in the value that you bring in the offers that you make. And so, Imagine this. Imagine you could literally sit at home right now and even even literally in these times right now, you could be sitting at home and be doing a webinar presentation and make more than $50,000 in an hour in one webinar. Imagine that was a possibility for you because this is the thing is it is. It is a possibility for you. And whatever is coming up for you where you say, yeah, but... That is the limiting belief that you're telling yourself that's actually stopping you making progress towards that. Now, I'm not saying like that might be a huge jump, right? A huge jump. But what if, let's soften it up. What if it's possible for you to make, sit there at home and make $5,000 or even $1,000 on a webinar? How does that feel, right? It's probably a lot softer, right? But this is the thing is like, so... We all have these like levels, these thresholds that that connect with our ability to experience money in our life, and that is the journey that we're going on. And this is the crazy thing: is it's all made up. Like it's all made up, right? Your experience, your relationship with money, is just like all made up. And so for me, I'm looking at this last idea, this last evolution of of that money flows through leverage. And that is why I love teaching. And for me, I just feel so privileged that I get to teach this, uh, that I teach people to make offers from a leveraged space. So webinar, like video series. So especially right now, we're really in self from stage. We're really leaning into webinars and like video series and things like that, like heavy into that space. Um, and then once live stages open up again, right? Live stages. And so I, I just actually got a um, uh, like a video from Jill Stanton, if you know her from Screwed Nine to Five. And she they ran their event recently. I think they had like eighty people or so in the room. And out of the eighty people, 
they I think it was, they signed up 15 people or more, or I think it was 18 people, 15, it was at least 15 people I know, uh, to a $10,000 program. So so they had 80 people in the room. They signed up and they actually had more than that people apply. They So they said no to certain people because they wanted the right fit, right? So they had actually more than 15 people apply. But they just did like over $150,000 in like, you know, a two-day conference, right? They filled like their, their like higher-level coaching program in like a two-day conference, right? She And Jill Stanton from Screw 9 to 5 just sent me that. And so what I'm saying is like, if you learn this skill, you learn this skill of like leveraged, leveraged offers, it completely changes your life. You do this on a webinar. You do this on a video series. Bob Heilig, one of the, one of the guys who uses our our formulas. Um, he just did a three-part video series, did $300,000 in one video series with plus reoccurring revenue. And that wasn't even reoccurring. That was just there up front, right? And so what I'm saying is, is like, this is all possible for you, but it all comes down to your relationship with money. And so we come back right to the beginning where I said, what was, what were you mentored in? How were you mentored in your relationship with money? Because until you get clear on that, you're not going to be able to get clear on how to go to the next level. And so, first of all, if you want to like learn some of these strategies, make sure to go to selffromstageacademy.com, right? Just at least put yourself on the VIP wait list you'll, you, and you'll hear about when we open that up again. So, because like I'm just obsessed with helping people do that. So, that's the first thing, right? The second thing, let's do a review, is that Money can be managed. That was my first experience by amazing, my amazing wife who taught me that, is that money can be managed and that it doesn't have to feel out of control. You put time, effort, and focus on it, it can completely be managed. That's the first thing. The second thing is that money isn't actually real. So that's like the next evolution, is that money is actually a shadow of the value you're bringing to the problems you're solving in the marketplace. You solve bigger problems and you, and you articulate that on a stage and you start making real money, right? Which comes into our third point, which is money can flow through leverage. And when you understand how to solve value, how to bring, sorry, how to bring value to the marketplace, which is point two, and do it in a leveraged manner, which is point three, like, point three, like a stage or a webinar or a video series or something like that, that is when you start making real money. Like when, it's <laughs> so funny, real money. When money's not real, right? <laughs> It's all real money, but it's not real. You get what I'm saying? Like that is when you start seeing money just like flowing. And so that's why I want you to get obsessed with this. So first of all, I want you to think about what's been most valuable from our conversation today, from this Expert Edge podcast, what's been most valuable, okay? Now, second thing, what I want you to do is thinking about that thing that's been most valuable. Could you take like literally 20 seconds, go to the bottom and review the podcast? Like if this has brought value to you, Give it a give it a review and uh, actually like just write a few words. I'd love to hear what has been most valuable for you from the podcast, what's been most helpful because I read all the reviews. It just makes such a difference. It helps us to grow the podcast. So just literally take like 20 seconds, go down, give it a review on the Apple's iTunes and uh, I just really appreciate it. Guys, I hope you're enjoying. I trust you're enjoying these conversations. I'm keeping coming at you every week. And uh, I know it's going to be valuable. And uh, we'll talk to you really soon. Bye for now. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? 
Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.